on a daily basis. I'm like, okay, the meetings are the work. This is okay. Yeah, we're, we're good. Yes. This is good. Should I be in this That's meeting? Right. Maybe, maybe not. No, but there should be a meeting about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Gina, how's it going? Oh, it's going very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Where are Richard, where are Rich and Paul? Uh, yeah, that's. I was going to ask you. Don't they usually host this podcast? I, I don't know. We had that all hands later. First all hands of the year. I don't know. Were they there? I didn't see I, their I little faces know. in the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new era see. for Postlight. It is. It is new year, new us. No, we just we kicked out Rich and Paul the studio just for today. They're going to be around, though. They love this podcast too much to completely disappear. I think they're going to be like, wait, there's a Chris and Gina episode that we didn't know about? We'll surprise them. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Listen, I want to take over the show for just at least one episode, and we'll show up in in future episodes. Yes. Because we had... A ridiculous 2021. I mean, okay, let's just set the baseline. Everybody had a ridiculous 2021. I mean, for so many know. reasons. Right, for right, depending on how you define ridiculous. But Postlight had a wild 2021, and you and I, our roles at Postlight changed. And looking back at it, and I didn't really have a chance to, like, think about it until we had, like, the holiday break mm-hmm. there for a week where I was just like, what happened? Whoa. It was a wild ride. I mean, yes, we took over as CEO and president and we're thinking about how we, you know, continue to expand and grow. But just in terms of like the number of people that we brought on to the group, we went from I think we started around 60 or 70 at the beginning of the year. We ended north of 110, close to 120. And we're just on a a sort of crazy trajectory. And that has, you know, led us to think about, I mean, first of all, we had to figure out our own leadership style as we were taking the reins. But then we also had to think about, okay, how do you set things up for this, you know, very fast growing company that shows no, no signs of stopping? So there's a lot to talk about. I mean, that 100 employee milestone was a big one. We hit it that right in the fall. Deal. So we so we essentially doubled in size from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, from like 60-ish to like 120-ish. But that 100 mark was big, I think. Not it's that only third for, digit. For, it's that third digit. But there was a moment where, I mean, we've been, you know, we've been a post life for five, six years. You from absolutely day one and me, you know, I don't know, nine months in or something. Very early on, yeah. And we were a small company where, you know, you're 50, 60 people. You can keep everybody names in your head and like their locations and you could name at least one of their pets or kids or their spouse. Like you, it's your circle of people and you know everybody in a certain way because it's a small enough group and you're in meetings with lots of different people. But that mm-hmm. 100 number is when you're like, oh, <laughs> like we've now expanded beyond the just casual see one another in meetings kind of size. And it's hard to, especially in a pandemic when you're all remote, it's hard to, you know, know people and you necessarily have to develop out frameworks and processes and systems for things to happen because they don't just automatically happen because it's in everybody's head because we've been working together closely in small group settings for a long time. There was a long period of this company where I personally was part of the interview process for like every new person that came on. I was doing initial chats for product managers. I was sitting in later stage for designers and engineers And we're at a place now where that's just not tenable. Same thing with onboarding. Like we should talk about onboarding because you can't have every new hire sit with the founders or sit with the president and CEO to learn about the company. You have to codify some of these things so that when new people join, because it's, again, this blistering pace, there are things they can refer back to. 
Definitely. I mean, that was a big transition for me, not being involved, not interviewing every candidate, like, or at least the more senior candidates. It was very, it was a very strange transition. And you realize, like, I have to have leaders who understand what the business needs and is able to make these decisions, you know, and, and we have to all kind of be on the same page. And this is something that, you know, you very early on, I think it was like the first kind of few months that we were talking about our transition into our roles. You, I remember you said to me, I think we need to establish a senior leadership team. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> where did, where did well, that come from? <laughs> I mean, we have this very unique benefit because we're a client services company where we get to see inside of all these other organizations that we work with. And some things seem to work really well. And you're like, oh, I want to steal that for our company. And other things are like, oh, God, we've got to make sure we're that. not doing that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> we could do an L episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What not to do. But the, the senior leadership team idea, this exists at some of our clients and it makes, I think, a lot of sense when you think about scaling responsibilities across a wider group of people. And it involves more trust and more delegation than we had, because once you establish that group, you have to empower them. You have to say, OK, you are our senior leaders. We need to orient around a common goal. And then you need to feel like you can make decisions within your sphere of influence to go after that goal. And not everything can be, you know, decision by committee or even decision by the executive leadership. Like it, ha- we have to agree on where we're going and then the senior leaders have to be empowered to go after it. And, you know, we always had a bit of that at the company, but I think it got more formal in a good way when we sort of drew that circle around yes. our senior leadership team. To go further on the like the delegation part of it, I think this was something that you really pushed I mean, both me and yourself to do more and more as we sort of stepped into our new roles is figuring out how to delegate and how to, rather than just do the thing yourself, identify the right person to do it. I want to talk about that delegation moment because that is, I mean, a big part of our transition was me being like, what is this new role? I think I asked myself the question, should I be doing this task <laughs> every day, daily still, day. yeah. but particularly in the beginning? What I really liked about the senior leadership team and it's very common. You see this a lot of companies. We didn't have it formalized. But I mean, if, if you imagine our org chart is like seven lanes of groups that roll up to us. And so we essentially drew a circle around the top layer and we made it a team. So instead of it being like all the you know spokes on a wheel and everyone kind of came up to us and then we would go down to whoever else, it was getting our senior leaders to collaborate with one another in this much more in this formal way, right? And being part of that team. And yep. I think that that was huge. That was tremendous. And, you know, on some teams we were like, who is the leader? It, it forced us to decide like that person and there were clear roles or responsibilities, but we can say to our senior leaders, like come together on these things and then come to us with what, what your recommendations are versus it being just, you know, one way communication between us and them, which was, it was a big upgrade, I think. And I think in that our senior leaders were part of now a team, not just heading up a team. Absolutely. I think we should be transparent about the fact that this is still a work in progress. And I think there are still, even today, there are areas that we're identifying where we're like, you know what, we need to make sure that, for example, our digital strategy team and our marketing team are working more closely together. And so we have to sort of continually reinforce the idea that it is a team, that it's not just seven distinct lanes that we have to sort of orchestrate from above. That's probably the ongoing work of every executive leader, I think, is to continue to reinforce the team nature of all these groups. 
and empower people, give them the autonomy to make decisions and make recommendations and tell, you know, and and have a point of view about what should be done versus just being like, what should we do? Let me ask you, though, Gina, like, how do you empower? Because this is hard for both of us. I mean, I know it for myself. I know it for you, too. Like we, you know, we came from doing the work. And I think our first instinct is to go in there and say, here's what you should do or let me do this. So what I mean, you said before asking yourself the question, who should be doing this for sure? Are there other things that you're like you've implemented for yourself to delegate or to to empower so that you're handing things off? I mean, it's such a hard transition going from being that doer to the delegator, right? Like both of us were, you know, started, you ran product. I was an engineering leader, like we were doing the work. And it's really hard to break yourself out of that mindset of like, if I want this done right, I have to do it myself. That's not true, by the way, because we have incredible talent. And I'm often surprised and delighted in the best way about what I'm getting because it's better than what I would have produced or it was a different angle or or Mm -hmm. brought context that I didn't have. And so I think, you know, this is again, this is also a work in progress. I think that I've had to really examine and be like, is this high value? Who's the person who's like most, you know, uniquely qualified to do well on this thing? And I'm also, I just think that there are a lot of opportunities. There are, you know, stretch tasks. There are like opportunities to grow when you can give an opportunity to grow to someone else by delegating. And I still, on some days, can't get out of my head that, like, the pointy-haired boss cartoon <laughs> where it's like, well, the boss is just, like, hand out work to do and they don't actually do any work themselves. Like, I, because I, deep down, I really love the grind and I want to roll my my sleeves and write the thing. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I do it not because I have to and I don't have the talent because, I like, I love it and I want to. And sometimes I just need to work out what's in my brain. Yep. But the truth is, is that, the, what, I mean, something that is just so incredibly satisfying is seeing our team and all the folks on our teams just rise and become those leaders and take on things that they even thought maybe were beyond what they could do and succeed at them. I mean, that's that's tremendously satisfying. And that's really good. That's really good for the business. Absolutely. It's such a good point that you're making. And I think it is natural. I mean, I certainly feel it as someone who, you know, continues to like grow into leadership, feeling like you know, delegation is a bad thing. And like, you know, it's the caricature of the boss who just is pointing fingers and saying, do this thing, do that thing. I would give one more concrete example that you suggested that I thought was really great, which is a help desk. We established a help desk. So for a long time, you know, many years of the company, the admin tasks just rolled to the partners. And it was like, if you need, you know, your Google Workspace password reset, or you need an account on Miro, the partners were the admins for everything. So you always had to go to a partner. And that time, I mean, it's, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 30 minutes, but it adds up. And it's very high value time. It is, you know, you're taking, this is a hyperbolic example, but, you know, you take time from a, a very important, you know, client relationship and you redirect it to managing Google Workspace. And it's like, whoa, what are you doing not the right call for the business. And so we established a help desk where anyone can ask. And as part of that help desk, we distributed admin responsibilities. We said, actually, department heads are going to own some things. Our office manager is going to own some things. Our executive business admin is going to own some things. And like it required trust and yes. letting go, but it is much more efficient now. So when someone has a question, it's not requiring you or me or Aaron, our head of engineering, who's a managing partner, to go in and adjust things, you know, they're able to handle it without us stepping in. And 
it's a better experience for the person asking because yes. they're not waiting until you free up or I free up. Right. They're getting a much faster response because they've got more people on the ground. Absolutely. I mean, you give the team the, the chance to help each other and help themselves. It's huge. And I try to, I think we have to continually figure out ways to do that. Part of the reason why, and something that's been a growth opportunity for me is that in our roles now, like our job is to be thinking like looking at the horizon, not looking at the path, right? Like we have to be thinking two steps ahead, mm-hmm. you know, like we have to think, be thinking ahead about, you know, strategy and where we're going, like bigger picture things. And, and for me, like it's hard not to get kind of sucked into the to the grind of the, the day-to-day, you know, business. And so it's important, you know, thinking about what the COVID protocol is going to be, you know, the office the week before we all come back, right? But folks aren't be thinking about it until the night before. <laughs> I mean, that's a, yep. that's a very simplistic example. But that thinking ahead, and having the, the headspace to think ahead, like those five minutes here and those five minutes there, I'll just do I'll just do the thing, takes away from that ability to kind of look, you know, look out over the over the forest. I'm mixing bad metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> look out over through something or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that you you had this vision when we were grow, transitioning into our roles and the growth was so extreme that you were like, there are so many systems I want to upgrade at Postlight. Like the system, meaning the, the software that we use is falling down in particular ways. It's only getting worse with every new person that we hire. And you were like, it was so great. I remember that day you presented that deck to me. You're like, here's what I think we need to sunset. Here's what we need to transition to. And it's going to be better in all these ways. And it was very satisfying, I think, for really for both of us to make sure that we were using great systems because we love using great systems. Like, tell me about, like, how long had that been cooking in your brain? A while. I think in the the back of my head, I'm a believer. I know you are too. Tools matter. The things that you're using on a day-to-day basis has a real effect on not just how effective you are in your work, but like how happy you are in your work and how you sort of show up to things day-to-day. This is not a new concept, and I think it applies pretty widely, actually. I think it applies to, you know, your personal life as well. But I think, it, you know, when you're running a project team, I've made this point before. I wrote about it on our blog. The team needs to care about its process almost as much as it cares about the work it's doing on the product. It's not the same time investment, but it, but you do need to take care to how you're working alongside or even before you're actually doing the work. And so when it came to, you know, thinking about how we upgrade the company systems, I saw pretty quickly, like, we need to make better choices with the tooling we have in place as we go from, again, 60, 70 people to 120 plus. So like our expense software should be better. The way that we, you know, have company documentation, like that needs to be cleaned up and well-organized and it shouldn't be a question in people's minds when they come in, like, how do we, you know, take PTO? Like, that should be really clear. And it should be in a system that doesn't require, you know, 14 hoops to jump through to administer permissions. We should have a really good payroll system with good benefits. And like that stuff, you know, no one wants to like spend the time there, but you should. You don't want to over invest. You don't want to spend, you know, countless hours like inventing and reinventing how to do paid time off tracking, for example. Mm -hmm. But we do want to think about how are we setting ourselves up so that we're not experiencing these small moments of pain like every day. That's what I wanted to do. That's what we talked through. And I think we've done a bunch of them and there's more to do. For example, our annual reviews process last year, we used a tool for the first, you know, we had been doing it like everybody else does it with 
Google Forms, Forms Google Spreadsheets, spreadsheets. and (laughs) duct tape together. Yeah. And it was fine, but like it wasn't great. And this year we used this tool called CultureAmp. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that CultureAmp is a perfect piece of software, but it's good. And I think it had a a much better experience and frankly was easier for our people ops team to administer. Right. It was purpose built and it was easier to administrator. I mean, this is at this point, it wasn't like put, you know, seating at the wedding, like figuring out who's who's peer reviewing who was before in the past. It's like a mini job for a person, yeah, in a spreadsheet trying to match people up and CultureAmp did all that for you. Yeah. And I think this is going to be something that is going to be ongoing for us. We don't want to drown in process because that's a fail on the other side, but we don't want to be so process averse that we're not thinking about, okay, how do we make sure that things are running smoothly and upgrading the things that need to be upgraded on a month to month or quarter to quarter basis. Another thing that comes to mind is the employee survey which we ran for the first time, which was suggested actually by Vicky, our head of product, who's fantastic. And she she caveated it by saying, listen, we're going to learn some stuff that we might not want to learn. So we need to be ready to respond to it. But I think we were, we were ready to respond to it. I'm curious if you have thoughts about that whole process and, and how that went. And The suggestion of the survey blew my mind at first, because again, I was like in small company mindset, but realizing at a hundred people, one person's response to an employee engagement survey is mm-hmm. 1% of the responses. Like, because it's funny because Vicky, who's been on the show before and is fantastic, she has been in, a, in an organization that grew, that experienced rapid growth. And she was like, look, we're going to ask specific questions about employee engagement. You know, we're going to look at the numbers in aggregate. The results are going to be anonymized in a certain way. We're going to see trends. And I like, I did a little bit of a double take at first because I was like, we're, we don't have enough people to really see good trends in aggregate. And that wasn't true. Like, I was wrong. And I was so glad that we did the survey because we really did, you know, it's sort of a measure of sentiment around particular areas of employee experience and employee engagement. And the feedback was really useful because we got to make decisions, you know, about what we wanted to change and do, we should focus on and what folks especially did felt like they weren't hearing about from us in, in the all hands and what people cared about that we that we could address better. It was very actionable feedback. So I was so glad we did the survey. I again had to shift my thinking from like, we're not a 45 person company where I'm going to hear what people are thinking and feeling just in the course of meetings and interacting, right? Like, I mean, I would love if that were true, but there are some folks, you know, we're big enough now that there are people who I don't interact with, you know, on a personal level on a daily basis. And I'm just not going to get that, that feedback. I mean, I think this is something to take away for, you know, people who are out there who are listening, who are in a similar situation where you're at this inflection point and your team or your org is growing past everybody knows everybody to having to operationalize a bit. And I think doing something like a survey, it can feel a little alien. You're like, oh, I don't, you know. I'm going to make people fill out boxes. This is, I worried about like, oh, I'm going to like make people fill out TPS reports and it's going to feel really informal and big company and bad. Me too. And so many people not only fill, you know, like check the box, but then open the like add comments and like typed in in the freeform text it box, was great. like more information. People really were engaged. We had a very high response rate. Yes, we had a very high response rate. And our people ops team diligently, I mean, they went through every single response. We talked about it. Again, coming back to the senior leadership team, the SLT, we talked about it with the SLT. Yeah. We said, here are the things we're going to take action on, you know, at the next all hands, the company all hands, we presented back, here's what we heard, here's what's going well, here's what's not going so well, and here's how we want to address it. And I think it was really positive, and we're going to do it again this year too. It's one of those things that I think we, again, we were a little hesitant about making that jump at first, but once we did, 
it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. I'm glad that yeah. we did it. And I think we'll probably, we might even do it, you know, more than a couple times this year. Just even just see trends over time. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. Maybe we could regroup again and talk, you know, this theme of formalizing and writing down things that have been ephemeral. It's a big theme and, and something we've addressed We've encountered it in other places yes. as the company has grown. Maybe we get together again and, uh, you know, shove Rich and Paul out of the studio and, <laughs> and do an episode on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think we should do that. I think we should do that. I also want to be totally upfront with everybody about just the challenges of like practitioner leaders and when makers become managers and sort of like that transition on your team and in yourself and just in general. It's tricky. And it's part of career growth. I think it's important, an important part of career growth, but it definitely on a daily basis. I'm like, okay, the meetings are the work. This is okay. The, yeah. Yes. Well, this was great, Gina. You're going to be hearing more from Gina and me as the year goes on and as we take Postlight to new and exciting heights. In the meantime, you mentioned career growth. We're hiring. Are we hiring? We are so hiring. I think in 22, we're going to continue to, on this trajectory and continue to grow. You should go to postlight.com slash careers. We literally are hiring in almost every group in the company because we had a great year. We've got an incredible portfolio of clients who are just building big platforms that have tremendous impact on the world. And yeah, you should come check out postlight.com slash careers. You should send it to your friends who are, you know, looking to, to come and grow because people come to Postlight to grow, both clients and candidates. And uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Let's kick Rich and Paul out of the studio again soon because I want to talk more about writing things down. I want to talk more about leadership. It was a great year. This was a big transition for us. I so enjoy doing it with you. This is just the beginning, I think. I'm and, having a blast. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And I feel just incredibly grateful to have this kind of platform on this show and our team. And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing this again. Onward. Get in touch with Postlight. Hello at postlight.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks, everybody.